If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlewood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange... The bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Well, Kat's foot injury from the bathroom demolition has healed nicely, and and our uh, bathroom renovation is going pretty well. Got the tiling done. That's right. Which is nice. And I can't help but think about how far that particular room has come, like the evolution of our life in this house. Mm. Uh, we've lived here for 10 years. Yeah. And uh, the, <laughs> there was a period of time, where, and I pointed this out to you the other day, like, <laughs> do you remember when there used to be a very tall, weird gun cabinet in here <laughs> that had deer on it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had, a, we had a gun cabinet in our bathroom. Yeah. I guess that was so we could shoot the shit. <laughs> yeah, I know Cat has some antique firearms, which are really nice. And uh, where did you get those? Family stuff. Family stuff, inherited, yep. yeah. Have you ever fired any of them? No, I don't no. even know if they would. Yeah. No, but we did for uh, some time have some BB guns that we used to go uh, target practicing with. And we would say we were going to go shoot the shit. And then we'd go in the bathroom and we'd have to, you know. Yeah. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. Or a bowl, but like a, but like a toilet bowl. Maybe I should move quickly to my topic. Yep. Okay. You ever hear of uh, St. Simeon? Simeon Stylites? A monkey saint? No, no, not that I know of. Simeon Stylites or Simeon the Stylite. Uh, He was a Syrian ascetic saint. This was in the third century. When he lived at the monastery, all the other monks hated him. Oh, no. Yeah. Here's the story. Simeon was the son of a shepherd. He was born in Sis, which is now the Turkish town of Kassan. Why does this all make me think of a children's book? Simeon was the son of a shepherd. He was born in Sis. (laughs) Sis was a Roman province, and uh, about 1395, the division of the Roman Empire uh, took place, and Christianity took hold very quickly in Simeon's town. After reading the Beatitudes at the age of 13, Simeon developed a real 
zeal for Christianity at 13 years of age. The Beatitude sounds like a 1960s pop rock band. My favorite was the Beatitude's White Album. Ladies and gentlemen, the, the Beatitudes. At the very start of his monkdom, um, he practiced austerity to an extreme and, and very extravagant level, so much so that his fellow monks judged him to be, quote, unsuited to any form of community life. They asked him to leave the monastery. Uh, looking into the details, it seems as though the major complaint was that Simeon just really smelled bad. Oh, no. He was a stinky monk. Nobody could stand near him. They couldn't even get close to him. He smelled so bad. And for months, nobody really had any idea what the cause of this was. They assumed, I would imagine, that it was personal hygiene because, well, sure. you're a monk in the year 411. But uh, further investigation revealed that uh, he had bound a rope around himself underneath of his robe, mm -hmm. and he would tighten it every day. He kept tightening it and tightening it. To the point where it began to cut into his flesh. Oh, sure. First, the flesh became irritated, mm -hmm. and then open wounds appeared, and then the flesh began to rot. Mm. It was said that when he left, they went in to clean his room, and his bed was full of worms. Oh, no. Wormy the stinky monk. Like maggot worms? Yeah. Yeah. But Simeon had just begun his very strange and unusual career. He decided that he needed time alone to just kind of meditate and um, do his devotions. So he moved to a mountainside near the village. Just him and his worms. Just him and his worms. And he found a, a crevice in the side of the mountain. It's about 20 square meters. And he decided he was just going to live in there. And so he went in and he sat down and he's just kind of, you know, sitting on a rock looking around, sure. doing his devotions. And word got out pretty soon that uh, this guy was living in a mountain by himself and it attracted attention. So word got around that this eccentric guy uh, who was full of worms lived in a cave on the side of the mountain just uh, doing devotions. He was a bit of a hermit. So some of the religious pilgrims in the area made a trip. They would make trips up to the mountainside to get... Any advice from him? Why? I, I don't know why. Um, I guess they considered him a an extremely holy man because he was up there all the time by himself. For months, he was up there. But worms. So then he, uh, he decides, well, he needs more private time. So he leaves the, uh, the, the mountain slope and he goes and he lives in a hut and he locks himself in there and he just stands in there. Uh, for a year and a half. When he came out of the hut, it was hailed as a miracle because this guy just went in there. It, he never came out. Apparently, he had enough food and stuff in there. But uh, he just went inside the hut and he stood for a year and a half. But where'd he poop? I guess where he stood. That's a good question. It wasn't covered in this article, but that's that would be my guess. So now... It's being hailed as a, a miracle, and apparently, apparently when that happened, he thought, hey, I can, I can stand even more. So he continually stood as long as his limbs would sustain him. So was the, the idea that he didn't sleep, or he would 
wait he would sleep and then wake up and then stand again no he just stood and and, and imagine he slept standing up how i don't know that was the miracle i guess and so people started flocking to his hut again and not leaving him alone he wanted all he wanted to do was be alone Mm -hmm. and do his devotions so that's when he took up flagpole sitting Harvey Danger style? Not quite. Um, To get away from the ever-increasing number of people, because at this point it had turned into simian mania, uh, he decided to, uh, well, he found a pillar and he decided to sit on top of it. He even built a little platform up there. Okay. It's kind of like an ancient monastic treehouse. He thought... Hey, this is cool. I'll just stay up here. And small boys from the local village would would climb up occasionally and bring him flatbread and goat milk. And then I guess once a week or so, village elders would come out with a pail full of food and he would just kind of pull it up on a rope. Oh, that's nice. Now, at this point, his fellow monks, the monastic elders in the area, heard about what he was doing and they were trying to decide if what he was doing was godly or not, they decided they were going to test him to determine whether or not his feats were founded in either humility or pride. So they ordered him under obedience to come down from the pillar. And the idea was if he uh, disobeyed, they would forcibly, uh, forcibly drag him to the ground. But if he was willing to submit, they would just leave him up there. And he did display obedience and humility So the monk said, yeah, sure, go ahead. You can stay up there. And there he stayed for 28 years, in fact. But they were bringing him food. They were bringing him food, yes. I mean. 28 years on top of a pillar, exposed to the elements. Yeah, but you're getting some good pita. (laughs) That's true. Nothing like getting some good pita. You sound like a gay Jewish man. Now, now the pillar (laughs) that he was sitting on was about 10 feet high. But it. After a few years, 28, in fact, he decided he needed a taller pillar. So he tried out a new one for a little while, and that wasn't big enough. So he went, he got a bigger one. And, and eventually he went through a series of pillars to the point where he, uh, he was over 60 feet in the air on this giant pillar. Wow. It was uh, kind of like, it was like the luxury model of pillars because it had a canopy of palm branches to keep the sun and the rain off of him. Ooh, penthouse. And it also had an earthenware pipe down the side of it that he could poop down. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Edward Gibbon, in the history of the decline and fall of the Roman Empire, described Simeon's life thusly, quote, Habit and exercise instructed him to maintain his dangerous situation without fear or giddiness and successfully to assume the different postures of devotion. He sometimes prayed in an erect attitude with his outstretched arms and the figure in the figure of a cross. But his most familiar practice was that of bending his meager skeleton from his forehead to his feet. And apparently he would do this like repetitiously while he prayed. Gibbon goes on to say, a curious spectator, after numbering 12,144 repetitions at length, desisted from the endless count. He had essentially done 12,144 sit-ups on top of this uh, pillar. Oh, I assumed he was standing and touching his feet. So he was doing toe touches. Maybe maybe that's what he was doing. That's not what I envisioned, but I envision a lot of really strange things. He says, The progress of an ulcer in his thigh might shorten, but it could not disturb this celestial life. And the patient hermit 
expired without descending from the column. Oh, he died up there? Of his ulcer, apparently. An ulcer in his leg? In his thigh, it I don't know says. what that means. An ulcer in his thigh. Does that just mean a wound? An open sore or okay. something, I guess. Oof. St. Simeon lived on top of his pillars for a total of 47 years. Wow. 47 years. Now, it isn't clear whether he came down in between the pillars or whether he just kept hopping and climbing from pillar to pillar. Sure. Probably came down, but I like the idea of him hopping from pillar to pillar. I picture it kind of in my mind as if it was illustrated by Dr. Seuss. Sure, absolutely. I pictured more of a Nintendo style hop, but Ooh, yeah. I can see how that would work. Simeon Stylite or Simeon of Stylites, the third century not so good smelling monastic flagpole sitter. Wow. That was interesting. What a strange story. And they were like, this guy, he sat so good. He should be a saint. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe his ulcer in his thigh was from the rope. Oh, did he have a thigh rope also? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it just kind of the, the uh, infection spread. or I, oh, I don't know. Sure, that makes but, sense. But 48 years, he had it. So, or he had the rope injuries anyway, because he had that before he climbed up on the poles. Did he continue with the rope thing when he was up on the poles? Unclear. Maybe when he was in the mountains, it healed. I can't imagine a shed is a good place for open wounds. At least on the pole, he's getting some fresh air. Yeah, here's a guy though that was kicked out of the out of the monastery because he smelled really bad. Mm-hmm. And then he lives like in a cave for a period of months, then moves into a hut where he doesn't leave for a year and a half. Right. Probably standing in his own excrement. Right. And then he spends 48 years on top of a uh, of a of a pillar pooping in an earthenware pipe. Yeah. And then he dies up there. How'd you like to be the guy to go up and have to fetch him? Did someone go and fetch him? Well, yeah, they had to. I couldn't couldn't just leave him up there. Well, I guess they could, but he was a saint. Was he at that time? Probably not. Well, I mean, in Peru, they do those sky burials. That's true. So maybe they could have just been like, oh, he's a saint, but for all of the world, and we will honor him as such. Saint Simeon, the patron saint of buzzard picnics. Nice title. And now, that thing in the middle. The oldest recorded message is from an ancient Sumerian text called The Instructions of Sherupik. This 4,500-year-old text reads, quote, Do not pass judgment when you're drinking beer. Advice that echoes down through the ages. Did you know that Kat and Jethro learned how to produce this podcast by watching a YouTube video? Really? You could tell? This is The Box of Oddities. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. 
Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids and they live about 3,000 miles away and my daughter is expecting a child and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout and you will save thanks aura frames for bringing my family a little bit closer hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. Melissa wrote to us, so I'm listening to Box 347, Reptilian Sleight of Hand, when to my utter amazement, you're actually talking about a place that I know. I lived in Eastland as a kid for a couple of years in third and fourth grade, and my grandparents still live there today. I know all about Old Rip. Old Rip, the the horned toad. Entombed in the cornerstone of the courthouse. Coincidentally, whenever I was in high school in a different Texas town, my best friend told me she had some inside information about Old Rip. Turns out her dad and some of his buddies are the ones who stole Old Rip and tried to get the truth to come out 
about the old lizard. I almost spit my coffee out when you guys started to tell the story. You guys are fantastic, and I love listening to your stories. Keep doing what you do. And then there's an eggplant and a taco emoji. Oh, my goodness. Okie dokie. Saucy, Melissa. (laughs) That brings me to a point where I say, what you got for me? There's a plaque attached to a statue in Plattsburgh, Missouri, that reads, David Rice Atchison, 1807-1886, President of United States, one day. What? What now? Come again? Yeah. Uh, beg pardon? <laughs> Until the adoption of the 20th Amendment in 1933, presidential and congressional terms began and ended at noon on March 4th. The four-year term of outgoing President James K. Polk and his vice president, George Mifflin Dallas, was coming to an end on March 4, 1849. On March 2nd of 1849, two days earlier, outgoing Vice President George Dallas relinquished his position as president of the Senate. Congress had previously chosen David Rice Atchison as the temporary Senate president. Atchison had served as a U.S. senator since 1843. At the age of 36, he was the youngest senator from Missouri up to that time. He was also kind of a D-bag. <laughs> oh, so, that's a shame. Yeah, yeah. It's it's rough when that happens. Now, I don't uh, like to get political, uh, but probably it's... We're we're talking about politics. That doesn't mean that we're getting political. Uh, just just hang with me. Okay. Okay. And you know what? You can be a d bag regardless of your party affiliation. That's right. We've seen it over and over again. Atchison was a staunch defender of slavery. He was a member of the so-called F Street Mess, a group of Southern senators who successfully pushed for the repeal of the Missouri Compromise and passage of the 1854 Kansas-Nebraska Act, which resulted in a series of armed conflicts known as Bleeding Kansas and ultimately the demise of the Whig Party and uh, contributed to the coming of the American Civil War. Atchison would incite violence, calling on pro-slavery Missourians to uphold slavery by force and to, quote, kill every goddamn abolitionist in the district if necessary. Okay, so a racist D-bag. Yeah. And one who's inciting violence. That's right. He recruited an immense mob of heavily armed Missourians. I'm saying that right, right? Missourians? It's not Missourians. Missourians. I don't, I don't I'm going to say Missourians. Uh, the infamous border ruffians. Oh, yeah. Right? All right. Okay. Atchison led 5,000 border ruffians into Kansas, seizing control of all the polling places at gunpoint. They cast tens of thousands of fraudulent votes for pro-slavery candidates and elected a pro-slavery legislature. Wow. Yeah. At gunpoint in our polling stations. He fought to make it illegal for newspapers to publish anything that could be considered anti-slavery. He was noted to deny many of his pro-slavery public statements made prior to the Civil War, so he was also a skilled gaslighter or just a liar. Who knows? And then I put in one of those little shrugging emoji ladies, so I don't know who that was for, apparently just for me. Um, Anyway, (laughs) it's March 4th. 1849. And uh, President James Polk signed the last of his session's legislation at the White House and at 6.30 a.m. recorded in his diary. Thus closed my official term as president. 
The Senate, having been in session all night, adjourned at 7 a.m. So, as I said, on March 2nd, outgoing Vice President George Dallas relinquished his position as president of the Senate, and Congress had chosen David Rice Acheson as the temporary Senate president. Well, little is known, I should say, about the religious views of President Zachary Taylor. We know that his wife, Peggy, was a devout, you had to tell me how to say this word, Episcopalian. <sighs> it's just that the P sound comes so quickly after the E, so it I does. always want to say Episcalian. I don't know. It's <laughs> Episcopalian. But anyway, in observance of the Christian Sabbath, Taylor preferred not to conduct business on Sundays. Right. And this includes inauguration business. So he refused to do the ceremony. And it was late until the next day, March 5th at noon. So Taylor took the oath of office on the Capitol's east front portico, and the transition of power was complete. So that means that from March 4th, 1849, when Polk's term expired until noon on March 5th, when Taylor would be sworn in, there was no elected president or vice president in office. That's fascinating. Now, according to the Presidential Secession Act... Of 1792, the Senate president, pro temporum, immediately followed the vice president in line of presidential secession. In the case of removal, death, resignation, or disability of both the president and vice president of the United States. So had Atchison been president from noon on March 4th to noon on March 5th? Some scholars say yes. I wonder if he knew that... He was potentially the president for a day. Or if like somebody told him the next day and he's like, dag nabbit. <laughs> now, he knew and there was some, I guess, uncertainty about how to proceed. So I guess the overall consensus was, well, let's just see what happens. We'll just go. We'll just wait and do it then. And don't mm. worry about it. No. Just don't worry about it. Scholars argue that Taylor automatically became president when Polk left office, bypassing Atchison entirely. Others say that we didn't have a president for a day, that that's just what it was, mm. that Polk was gone, Taylor was yet to come, blah. Either way, the rumor that Atchison had briefly ascended to the office of president of the United States began to circulate. The earliest public statement came in the Alexandria Gazette on March 12, which reported Atchison, quote, was on Sunday, by virtue of his office, president of the United States, for one day. Further complicating this issue was the fact that Atchison's existing term as senator, and more importantly, as president of the Senate temporarily, had ended on March 4th as well. Oh, Okay, so that negates it in my mind. Well, but not to everyone mm. because Senate was done right. for, you mm. know, half a year or whatever. So he was the last president of the Senate mm. at that time. That that position at that time was actually vacant. So It's weird because now it's Speaker of the House that's third in line. Right. That was... Uh, in the early 1800s that they changed that. Okay, 1900s? Uh, yes, I'm sorry. Yes. Whoopsie doodle. Atchison was never actually sworn in as president. He didn't uh, sign any... That he was sworn at a lot, though. <laughs> he didn't sign <laughs> I want to swear at him right now. Right. You just go ahead. I'll just bleep it out. You motherfucking racist cocksucker. That's it. Okay. 
He, of course, didn't live in the White House or anything like that. But there are those that say he was president. There's a bronze statue unveiled in Plattsburgh in 1928. And on that plaque, it says that he was president for a day. But also consider that in 1928, the anti-civil rights movement was really ramping up. And Mm. we wanted to reinstate the importance of those who were pro-slavery and put lots of statues up, you know. Right. Yeah. Also, Atchison's tombstone states that he was president for a day. He wrote, though, and probably his opinion counts a little bit. Mm. In 1880, I never for a moment acted as president of the U.S. He later joked that because of the long nights in session uh, in the previous days, he might have slept through his term, except for that his friends woke him up to congratulate him and seek jobs in his cabinet for their (laughs) friends. Oh, that's funny. He did like to say that his presidency had been the honestest administration the country ever had. Well, if he was sleeping, probably. Yeah. Well, it was claimed by many of his friends and colleagues that from March 4th to March 5th, 1849, Atchison was acting president of the United States. So was he? No. I got most of my information from Senate.gov, Scholastic, Wikipedia, of course, BipartisanPolicy.org, POTUSGeeks, and Battlefields.org. President Atchison. Hmm. No. 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 Doesn't have that patriotic (laughs) ring to it. (laughs) Well, neither did his job history. That is absolutely true. Yes. Wow. I have never heard. I love these little, tiny little blips in, in presidential history like that. Yeah. And what's interesting is I I didn't know this story. I had heard, you know, somewhere down the line that they're like I'd seen a meme or something. But um, I'm kind of embarrassed that I didn't know who he was. And it's not just because of the one day president thing. Like he played a really significant role in in trying to expand slavery in the States and, you know, yeah, pretty much flush the union down the toilet. So yeah. it's interesting. It is. And sad. And I feel like I should take like an adult ed course or something. Well, if you want to take an adult ed course, I'll go with you. Thank you. And drop you off and come back when you're done. <laughs> Special welcome to uh, all of our new patrons. Thank you for your support. Oh, my gosh. We're so excited that you're joining us. Of course, patrons get uh, ad-free episodes. They get them a day early. Lots of other perks and benefits, depending upon the level of support. And regardless of the level of support, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. It really, it makes our ability to get back on the road possible. It makes my eating possible. It's really just a wonderful thing that you do to help us, and we appreciate it so much. So thank you for joining us, Lisa, Christy, and Ashley. And now more than ever, we appreciate you patrons because it has allowed me as well as Kat to do this full time. Starting tomorrow, (laughs) this is all we're going to be doing. Yeah. Don't, not everyone knows yet though. So don't tell everyone. Right. Kat's been uh, working full time on the podcast for a little over a year and starting tomorrow, I'm going to join her. I'm so, so glad. I'm I, so excited. I am so grateful to you guys for this. I really am. This is something we've been working toward for a while, and I can't tell you how like important and essential you are in, in making this happen. And it's just going to open up so many opportunities for us to expand and to do more and create more. And I'm just jazzed as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Oh! 
banjo's excited too. Um, yeah, we've been working toward this for what three. You, what is that? It's a piece of tile. He ate a piece of tile. Are you okay, Banjo? Okay, God cool. Damn it. Yeah, we've been working toward this for three and a half years, so it's an exciting moment for us. And uh, and we plan to expand the box of oddities, bring you more content, a lot of exciting things on the horizon, and we're pretty close to being able to unveil the next big thing. Uh, but wow, yeah. Anyway, thanks, guys. And if you are not a patron and you would like to become one, go to theboxofoddities.com. And we'll see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. And fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com On Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast. On Twitter at BoxOfOddities and Instagram at BoxOfOddiesPodcast. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.